0: Radio? Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Wednesday, July 8th, it's the uh, Laced Up Hockey Podcast, and I am James Cole. Hi, I'm Bruce Battaglia
1: from the North Side, a website that is now currently active writing about sports, including various things going around uh, in Toronto, which could include the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, the, the Toronto uh, FC, the Toronto Raptors, uh, many, many different Toronto sporting events.
0: How dare you disrespect my Blue Jays.
1: Um, oh they they're also a, they're also on there
0: they they are also from Toronto yes yeah um, well that's good that's nice that you're you're kind of back in action sites
1: yeah sites back they they revamp the site it looks a little different and uh, there should be some some people should be writing some stuff soon I think the last person to write anything on the website was me like three months ago so it uh, tells you how fun the pandemic's been very enjoyable time
0: for everyone I'm sure have you uh have you had anything that you, you've got in the back of your mind that you're thinking might be a hot uh, article, or...? Uh, I mean,
1: like, you know, I could break down Austin Matthews uh, getting coronavirus, I guess, but I don't really know if anyone really... I don't know. The first article didn't work out that well for the guy who wrote it, so I'm assuming uh, I probably shouldn't dabble down that road.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, cool. I don't know. It's uh, It's the beginning of July now, and... We're still talking to each other about hockey, which is kind of. Yeah,
1: weird. I know. Like you know what, we probably missed a huge opportunity to take some time off, uh, and we we didn't. And whatever. I mean, like, I don't know. I like, I don't know if that's a thing. Like every podcast really does sport, especially sports podcasts. Like, I don't know if they do take the off season off. I don't. I don't really know. We did last year. I enjoyed it. It was nice to to take a break. We were nice and recharged, ready to go. But like, we also haven't really talked about hockey like a ton. So it's not like I'm burnt out either. This is kind of, you know, it's kind of just an extension of the season at this point.
0: And speaking of uh, not talking about hockey, here are two more brackets for you guys to enjoy this uh, <laughs> this afternoon. No, <clears throat> just kidding. Yeah, in, Lots in, of brackets, light of,
1: though. in light of the uh, Jim Jeffries special, we could do brackets of the best Jim Jeffries uh, show episodes or, uh, or his best specials. We could do that.
0: Oh, that'd be a short bracket, best specials.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's Bear, for sure. Bear's the best one. But I watched uh, Intolerant came out today. Uh, I would say Stronger Than This Is Me Now. Arguably as strong as Freedom. It's pretty close. Um, But it was a little different, what he did, not to spoil too much, but he kind of went more of like a... Uh, fuck, I forget what the special specifically was, but Chappelle's first special on the comeback there on Netflix when he kind of did that circular route around the O.J. Simpson stories. Jim Jefferies kind of, like, it literally tells one story, the whole special but he really only tells the story for like 8 minutes of the hour and 10 minutes or whatever like he just kind of comes back and forth and comes back and forth and and it was really effective i don't he's never done anything like that as far as i know not not, not on his main specials uh, so it was really good cuz the story itself was uh subject matter that i would not normally find funny but he made it fucking hilarious like i don't i don't find i don't find uh fart jokes and stuff like that very funny but this is like a bathroom joke and it's actually really good like it's really funny so there you go
2: That's not it bad. was good
1: i i would strongly recommend the special if anyone's a jim jeffries fan out there it was not a disappointment anyway it was he was about five minutes in and i kind of started thinking like oh boy this might not be that good but it, it was good it was really good
0: i imagine i'll be spending my afternoon tomorrow watching The Jim Jefferies special, and Mm -hmm. and maybe multiple Jim Jefferies specials, because I don't have I
1: I rewatched them all, to be honest with you, (laughs) in the the weekly, like, since I got back from Kenora, I've definitely thrown uh, all three on, and it's it's just amazing to me how many times I've seen Bear, and how Mm -hmm. just astonishingly funny every joke in that, every single story, everything, every single part of that special is hilarious. I, I... The more I watch it, the more I think it's like one of the better specials of all time because it's just there's nothing not funny about it. It's just hilarious.
0: There you go. That's you know, that's fair. Yeah. Um. You've got a quiz. Yeah, I was going to say off the off the
1: hop. Oh yeah. In light of not uh, talking about hockey, I have a quiz for you. Um. Yeah. No. So we're we're gonna follow. uh, What we're gonna do here is it's gonna be just a basic quiz. I got multiple choice for you. It's seven questions. Okay. Um. So it's just you're simple. You want to get four out of seven. Uh, what I am not going to do is I'm not going to tell you when you get the questions right or wrong. I'm going to tell you at the end of it how you did. Okay. So I want to see how, I just want to see if it's going to affect you, whether or not you know if you're doing well or not. Okay. Now I, I will preface this by saying there are seven questions. It is not hockey related. And, um, it's a quiz where I'm not really sure if it's going to be easy or hard for you. Um... It is a lot of stuff that I'm not really sure you have uh, conscious knowledge of in your brain on the answer of all these questions, but it is related to stuff you should know the answer to, James, and this is simply called the Laced Up Quiz. (laughs) I'm going to quiz you about our podcast.
0: (laughs) I've, I've already lost. I can't name the same seven fish. For like two years now. Oh There's yeah. No well, luck,
1: luckily this has nothing to do with the airedale fish, so you're very lucky. There is no questions specifically about types of fish. Uh, I knew better than to than to really test that water. Hey. Uh, no, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna ask you seven questions related to our podcast. I want to see how well you do. Okay. Sounds fun. Yeah, four out of seven will be a pass here. So your first question: uh, How many episodes of Laced Up? Has Airedale Fly-in Fishing and Hunting been a sponsor of? I was going to put proud sponsor, but I don't want to put words in their mouth. Uh, is the answer uh, A nineteen? Is it B twenty-three? Is it C
0: twenty-nine? Or is it D thirty-five? Nineteen seems way too low. I'm pretty sure Mike Warren's been on here nineteen times talking about Airedale. <laughs> so uh, um, between
1: between his Mama Mia sound bites, he's probably been on here about twenty times. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What was C,
0: 29?
1: Uh, Your choices are A, 19, B, 23, C, 29, D, 35.
0: I'll go 29. Okay. I'm not telling
1: you if you got it right. Uh, The second question. Three artists have been featured three times as the intro song on Laced Up tied for the most. Which of these artists is not one of the artists to appear three times on the intro song? Now, I should note, uh, because you haven't heard this episode yet, the intro song for this week is... Uh, come down by the Glorious Sons. Okay? So I don't know if that Should... information helps okay. you or hurts you. Uh, okay. is, the, is the answer A, the Tragically Hip? Is it B, the Glorious Sons? Is it C, Drake? Or is it D, the Arkells? Or Arkells, I guess, is what they prefer to be called.
0: So which artist has not appeared which three times? Which artist has not
1: appeared three times?
0: Oh, well... Now now knowing that uh come down is going to be the intro, I know that the Glorious Suns have appeared at least twice. I'm pretty sure the hip have made three. Um I know at least one R Kell's intro, but I don't remember ever hearing Drake on the intro. Um That's not to say he hasn't. I'm assuming it's gonna be like He's done it twice, not three times or something. But I'll go Drake. Okay.
1: Um, Your third question. Which of these is not a real top ten that we have ever done on Laced Up? So three of these we have done. One of them we haven't. Uh, Is it A, Tom Hanks movies? Is it B, fictional athletes? Is it C, sport movies? Or is it D, crazy contract holdouts?
0: I'll go crazy contract holdouts. Those first two we definitely have done. I don't remember specifically uh, sports movies top ten, but it seems way more likely than crazy holdouts. So,
1: Okay. Uh, your fourth question. Including today's episode, how many episodes of Laced Up in total are there? So today's episode 81 of hockey content, but how many total episodes have we done? Uh, Is it A, 85? Is it B, 90? Is it C, 95?
0: Or is it D, 100? Now I'm trying to remember if all of the brackets were bonus episodes. This
1: is including bonus episodes. Yeah. And this also includes our burner, I might add. Okay.
0: Okay. So that's 80... 83 for sure. Uh Ah, fuck. Oh, and then we got the... Yeah, we got the Academy Awards ones we do. So that's 85. So I'm going to say 85 is out. 4... 5, 6, 7... 92... I've got, uh, sorry, just just so I know, options B and C. What were the numbers? Uh, B is 90. C is 95. I'm going to go uh, 95. Okay.
1: Uh, your fifth question. Which of these is not a real laced-up episode title?
2: <laughs> God.
1: <laughs> is it A, Needs More Bitters? Is it B, The Californians? Is it C, Big Fat Goalie? Or is it D, Little Lou Who? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Needs More Bitters is definitely one. <laughs> little Lou Who, I believe, is as well. Um, my gut instinct told me that The Californians was an episode title. What are you doing here? So I'm, I'm going to go with Big
1: Fat Goalie. Big Fat Goalie is not an episode title, you're saying?
0: Uh, I, th- I think so. Okay.
1: Uh, number six, uh, probably the hardest question you're going to get on here. Uh, which uh, f- star, former star player uh, has never, or current star player, has never been featured as a goal scorer on our opening soundbite? <laughs> is it A, Mario Lemieux? Is it B, Jerome McGinley? Is it C, Joe Sackick? Or is it D, Sidney Crosby?
0: Oh, boy. Um, I know Aginla has. Those other three are tough, because, like, they've all got memorable goals. I'll say... I, I'm going to say we probably used Crosby's golden goal. Sakic seems obscure, but I keep going back to the... the Joe Sakic Olympic goal from 0-2. Mm-hmm. And, like, Lemieux... I gotta... I have, mind you, he's, he's got the return factor. I was gonna say his his stuff is probably too early to maybe get good quality bites. Speaking of good quality bites, our sponsor this week is Airedale Fly-In Fishing
1: and Hunting. Speckled Trout, uh... Yeah. Ra- rainbow... Speck.
0: Oh... I I will go Joe Sackick, just because I know how fond you are of Mr. Lemieux, and you probably snuck one in there, and I don't remember it. Okay. Uh, And your seventh and final question, how many total
1: guests have appeared on Laced Up through 100 episodes, Uh, thus giving away, you were wrong about the episode number. Today's Mm our 100th episode! Uh, uh, Is it A11? Is it B12? Is it C13? Or is it D14?
0: <clears throat> 11, 12, 13, or 14. Wow, okay.
1: Um, yeah, really not giving you much room for a fucking error here.
0: Uh, the Good Counselor. I believe he was the first <laughs> guest. Um,
1: well, the counselor, anyway. I don't
0: really know. Yeah. Know our our word sweet, word. sweet boy, Rodzi Albezurez. Um He's More been on once. a couple times. That Airedale guy, he's been on a few times. Still still don't know what his name is. of um, Boss. Our, our one and one and only female uh, guest, Jordy Armiento. I don't really remember what purpose he served coming on, but he he, he came he is, on once.
1: He is the only person I think that's appeared on this podcast that actually works in hockey. So
0: that's fair. <laughs> I'm only at five. You're telling me that there's at least eleven. This is fucked. Um, who else have we talked to? Jesus. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, sorry to the other s- at least six guests. I guess uh, this is going to be
1: fun to ask you again in like a year because I'm I'm hoping <laughs> to have some people on in the next few months, but uh, we'll see. Now that there's hockey to talk about again,
0: I don't know. Twelve. I I can't even get anywhere near any of those numbers. So okay. shot in the dark.
2: Alrighty.
1: Well, James, um, we're gonna go you through zir- question zero to by seven. question. And we're going to tell you how you did, because we're going to go through just, uh, we're going to take it up like a quiz as the class, all right? So your first Ready. question was how many episodes of Laced Up, uh, Laced Up of, Air, uh, sorry, how many episodes? Oh boy. <laughs> let's uh, let's just, I'm not even going to edit that out, but I'm going to start the sentence again anyway. How many episodes of Laced Up has Airedale Fly-In Fishing and Hunting been a sponsor of? This is why you're the host now. Uh, you said 29, and the correct answer was... 29 so you're one for one
0: i got at least one
1: you're doing great uh this question number two three artists have been featured three times as the intro song on laced up tied for the most which of these artists is not one of them uh you chose drake and the answer we were looking for was the Arkells. the arkels have only been featured twice as our intro song many times as our outro song uh but that was not the question uh drake has been featured three times um, most notably in uh, last season when the Raptors won the championship, he also was the intro for both of Rodrigo Alvarez's, uh bracket best logo episodes this year. So Drake went from one to three very quickly last month. Glorious Sons have done three. Tragically Hip have done three. The Arkells only twice with uh, uh, Hand Me Downs and uh, Relentless. I think maybe was the other one. So you're one for you're one for two. Uh, number three, which of these is not a real top ten? Uh, you chose uh contract holdouts. The answer we were looking for is sports movies. We've literally never done best sports movies for some reason. We've done fictional athletes, but never the movies in which they're featured in. Interesting. (laughs) Doesn't make a lot of sense, and I don't really know that the list would have a lot of overlaps. But uh, yeah, you're one for three. Uh, including today's episode, how many episodes of Laced Up are there in total? You chose ninety-five. We were looking for one hundred. Today is our one hundredth episode, Extraordinaire. I'm sure it'll be—it's going to be the shortest episode of Laced Up ever, and somehow it's our 100th fucking Extraordinaire. Uh, number five, which of these episodes is not a real Laced Up episode title? Now, this was meant to trip you up. Uh, you chose Big Fat Goalie. Big Fat Goalie is not correct. Um, uh, you were the, what we were looking for was needs more bitters. Uh, the episode is actually called Lots of Bitters. Mm. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. So you're you're one for five. Uh, which player has never been featured as a goal scorer on our opening soundbite? Uh, a. Mario Lemieux has been featured uh, not as the only athlete, though. He was featured in our Goodbye to Bob Cole intro uh, from last season. Uh, number er, Letter C is Joe Sackick. He was featured on the Fakes It Takes It Scores uh, against Brodeur in the 2001 playoffs. And Sidney Crosby's been featured three separate times. The answer we were looking for is Jerome McGinley. Has never been featured as our intro uh, soundbite, so you're one for six. And how many total guests have appeared on Laced Up through 100 episodes? We were looking for 13, not 12. You, you were one for seven.
0: Who are these people? Who, who is coming on this podcast?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, uh, like we, we can go through it here quickly. Just in order of appearances, Cody Fraser, uh, Mike Wern unofficially, and then Rodrigo Albazurez Reginald D'Feo, uh, Aaron Pecha, Jordi Armiento, Colin DeJackie, Kyle Hogan called in one time, Asia Vass, Cole Turbide, John Chosek, uh Matt Fraser, and Cam Thomas. Uh, also uh, listed as an official... Mentioned, but not an appearance, Jonathan Wilson was missing an action uh, on our May 23rd quiz show episode. So it would be 14, but...
0: Oh, that's great.
1: Alas, he was cutting the grass. Or whatever.
0: Now, just to the other people that I forgot, I don't like those other five people more than you, per se. <laughs> but there's a, a reason I didn't think of you. Yeah. Oh, wow. <clears throat> okay. Well, that was fun.
1: Yeah, um, yeah,
0: I had a great time. I, I look to uh, garner some revenge when I give you a quiz later on in the episode.
1: Ah, oh, true. I thought you were going to give me your own version of laced up quiz. I'm like, I got all the fucking episode records right in front of me, man. That's not a good idea.
2: Mm. I, I edit this um,
1: thing all the time.
0: Good. Well, that was that was fun. That's that's mm. nice that we've had a hundred episodes. I guess. Yeah. Well. Hey. Congrats, man. Yeah. Uh, thanks. We are uh, um,
1: for for those who are not aware, uh, James and I are having beers later tonight together, so we're going to celebrate then, I guess.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll get t-shirts made. Um, I've been waiting for that merch section. True. Turning to hockey, Mm. because this is a hockey podcast, after all. Mm. Um, Peace in our time, uh, uh, once famously proclaimed... Uh, Prime Minister Will Chamberlain uh, before war inevitably broke out between the Nazis and the Allies. Um, But that's what we seem to have um, in the uh, NHL. There is uh, peace, union peace as the NHL and the NHLPA have chosen to extend uh, the CBA for four more seasons.
1: Um... Yeah, that's a fucking foreign concept to me. I mean, like, I, I literally, the time where I really started getting into the NHL, they were just like, uh, you know what? We don't get along. We're not going to play this season, and we might not play next season, and the league might just fold. That's how I grew up. When I was, like, 13, everyone was just like, yeah, the NHL might be done. Oh, cool. This is literally the only thing I have keeping me alive, because I'm 13 years old, and everything else is horrible. Um, so, yeah, like, it's, uh, it's, it's weird. It's really fucking weird. Um, Like, I I, honestly, like, I don't even have a comment. Because I just don't, it's just bizarre. Like, I keep thinking that the rug is going to get ripped out from under me at some point here. And it's just going to be like, ah, you know what? That was only part one of a part seven, a seven part voting uh, uh, thing we got to do. And there's a lot of, like, things that got to fall in line. No, this is pretty much done. Like, there are a few little things that need to happen still. But it looks pretty good so
0: the uh it's weird by by the time 2026 comes and and this uh deal expires uh it will be uh 13 years since the last lockout uh the last time the nhl went 13 years without a lockout uh, 1941 so uh we're doing real well here um obviously they continued to uh not strike for many years after that but uh yeah this is this is interesting it's um I guess it's kind of a good thing. Like it's it's weird that it, it did like you said take a pandemic to uh, to get us here, but um, anytime you can get this out of the way before it expires, you know, like most companies try to do, um, it's definitely for the best. So
1: yeah, um, yeah, I'd prefer to not have more games ripped away from Alexander Ovechkin because of fucking lockouts. Like I, you know, I would like to maybe get an idea of what yeah. he. Uh, can do.
0: This so. It's all going real well for Connor McDavid so far and his quest to, uh, you know, insert Wayne Gretzky as the all-time Oilers franchise leader in mm. scoring. Yeah, so he doesn't have a uh, winger <coughs> to play with. Oh, he might soon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but we'll see. Jesus Christ. I, I digress.
1: Um, I also heard Neil Yakupov's coming back to the Oilers. That should
0: be good. What, what could have been, really? Maybe they should do have gone to him.
1: Imagine he went back and he just gets booed literally for no reason other than just being bad, Like, you know what i mean he did, he didn't screw them over he didn't it wasn't his fault, but he'd get booed every night. You chose me,
0: yeah, 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 I didn't want to come here either. this the city's a shithole he's just mm. he's gonna get booed fair enough um yeah the uh the extension of the c b a part of lots of little things that we're gonna try to get to in this episode. Um, obviously as, as the NHL and the NHLPA work to get closer to the return to play, uh, action that they are so, um, dead set on accomplishing, uh, these little tidbits of information have kind of sprung up all, all over the place. Like it is, it has been just a, a nightmare trying to figure this out on Twitter. Uh, you've got like six different insiders all trying to read yeah. the same 40 page document as quickly as possible. And then... You know, get their tweet out first before the other guy gets his tweet out first. Even though four of them work for the same company, but whatever. Uh, it's um, it's a lot. There's a lot to cover. Um, I've got a nice little sheet here from TSN that I'm just gonna kind of work my way down and. And we'll try to tick these off, and hopefully we don't miss anything. And and if we do, please tell us on Twitter that we missed something, because we love that. We love to be told when we've when we've done something wrong. It's I think our listener base is, us grow.
1: Our listener base is pretty good. They don't really tell us when we're wrong. I think we're just wrong. It's kind of nice.
0: I don't know. I'm I'm Unle- point unless now where a, I could.
1: Unless it's a music bracket, then they love to rip us apart. But other than that, everything's yeah. uh, pretty pretty good.
0: I feel like at this point, a hundred episodes, we should have like a troll follower. Like there should be that one guy that's just like, actually, you did use Jerome McGinley on the intro when you played the twenty, oh four Stanley Cup Finals. He was in the background and yada yada yada. But um, the 2004 I don't know twenty oh yeah. four, Stanley
1: Cup <laughs> final. That doesn't. That's why would I use the why? Like I there's not a lot of good Jerome McGinley sound bites. Trust me, I've looked. There's really not a lot other than like they're all Olympic related, and, and and I you know we just don't use Olympic sound bites all that often because we're mostly an NHL podcast, because uh, the Olympics haven't you know been a big factor in this podcast. So yeah, I'm sorry to Jerome Ginla fans out there. There are um, more than a few that listen to this. So
0: so there's a few critical dates that have uh, popped up um, as we get closer to this uh, tournament getting underway, and. Um, uh, as has been the case for a long time, training camps scheduled to open July 13th, so that is less than a week away at this point, um, with teams uh, to arrive in Toronto and Edmonton by July 26th, so uh, you can start training camps in a couple days, and then two weeks after that, roughly, they want you in the bubble cities. Um to me, uh, it seems like it might make more sense to send these guys to the Bubble Cities now and have them quarantine and then start training. Instead of training, getting all their buddies sick, then traveling, getting more people sick. And But, you know, I'm I'm not in charge of this thing, so what do I know? <sighs> um... Yeah, so July 26th, we're supposed to be in our cities. Still no, like, word on, like, who's playing where. Uh, The NHL did say that they don't want teams playing in their own arenas, so you'd have to think the Leafs and Blue Mm. Blue Jackets will be in Edmonton, that the Oilers and I can't remember who they're playing. Um, Oh, the Blackhawks uh, will be in Toronto. Beyond that, we don't really know who is going to go where. Well...
1: Um, I mean because the whole idea here is to is to not travel and to keep everyone uh, completely in this bubble as long as they can as much as they can. So if, if that's what they want to do then the East has to play out West in Edmonton and the West has to play out East in Toronto. Like there's just there, there's no reason why you're going to make the Oilers and the Blackhawks go to Toronto, play 3 games and then they got to go back to Edmonton. Like it just doesn't that's For sure. just literally yeah. like what's the point of doing a bubble at all if we're just going to have these teams travel? Like, they may as well just go fucking play in the cities that they belong in, then if that's the way we're going to do it. So, I, I assume if that's what they want to avoid, I didn't see that anywhere. That's it's kind of an interesting...
2: That was said it's a kind while of an ago. interesting
1: thought. Yeah. I don't... You know what? Like, honestly, I, I don't really agree completely with everyone who's writing it off that it's not a home ice advantage. Uh, like, I do actually think there's a little bit of a mental thing to be gained from playing in the rink that you practice in every single day. Um, it doesn't give them a physical advantage on the ice, really, other than just whatever the mental capacity is going to transfer over to what they can do on the ice. It's a really small advantage, but I do think that there is a little bit to be gained um from just walking in the same door and seeing the fucking same door guy that you see eight months a year, right? So, But I don't know if it's a big enough advantage that we really have to have the West out East and the East out West.
0: I don't, I don't really know. It's, it, it's hard to say. It would be weird to have, like, you know, because obviously, like, the home ice is going to bounce back and forth. Not that there'll be an advantage, but, you know, this team's going to be home on Game 2 and they get last change. So, like, there, there will be an alternating home away type situation and it would be kind of weird for the leafs to be like oh we're the away team and we have to go get dressed in a different dressing room that is isn't yeah. ours." and oh i don't know how to use this door i've never used this door kind of thing yeah. like that'd be funny no I, but...
1: I i get it like if you're if you're if you're away you should be away and like honestly i i i kind of agree with the idea of of not having um the oilers in edmonton and toronto and toronto um, I think I think there's a lot to be gained there. The, 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 it's just... I, like, I'm assuming that these two hub cities were chosen because they were the best options, but I know there was so much stress on having a team out east and a team out west, and that, other than television scheduling, which I've already said I, I think is a bullshit sort of excuse, um, I don't really see the merit in having, you know what I mean, an east-west split if you're not going to have the west in the west and the east in the east. It's kind of a weird sort of thing, but... Um, it's it's semantics at this point. Like it, it's not really going to make a huge difference in who wins the Stanley Cup. I don't think. No. Um, it 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 is going to make a little bit of a difference because I don't know if everyone realizes this yet, but uh, this is very clearly like going to be a crapshoot tournament. Like I don't, and no one has an advantage. Um, you know, one of the best teams I think that on paper going into it, uh, is St. Louis. And I don't know if you heard about this. Uh, everyone has coronavirus on that team, so uh, not an advantage
0: anymore. Mm-hmm. Um. It, it will be kind of interesting to see, like, they've already said, like, the, the Cup is going to be awarded in Edmonton. Like, that's where the finals is going to take place. Imagine the Oilers just make a run and they get to the finals. And now they're playing at, you know, their home arena. And now we're all going to complain about the Oilers playing on their own arena. Like, that would be funny to me. You know, like, the only team that could do it does it. And then to, to watch the backlash uh, that, that would inevitably fall out. It would be ridiculous, but it, it will happen because hockey. Um yeah, I mean, like, whatever. Like, it's it's an
1: empty arena. It'd be cool to do it on your home ice because in the future, you're going to remember winning the Stanley Cup there, whether or not there's anyone in the stands, right? But who who cares? Like, you know, like... And that's a funny thing, too. Like, I, I mean, I'm not writing these teams off, but, like, I, I've read people who are legitimately, like, upset about this, and it's like, uh, I if we're betting Oilers or Toronto, I'll take the field for sure. <laughs> like... I don't think the Oilers or Toronto are necessarily going to win their fucking playing round, so uh, we'll see.
0: Very fair. Uh, so they, yes, uh, team.
1: It's going to be really funny when neither of those teams win a single fucking game, and all these points are just
0: moot. Probably, and that's probably the best case scenario. Um, yeah, August first games scheduled to start, uh, and then by the first week of October, we are to have the Stanley Cup. So all told. Like, we'll be ending this year the same week we should have been starting next year, even though next year wouldn't have started on time anyway, but I digress. I kind of I don't know. it's just funny to me like like uh, they're gonna play
1: games in like a little over three weeks and we've still got players getting diagnosed and we we don't know why like I mean the blues, we figure it's because they went to the bar. Y- you don't know that though like uh, who knows how they got it right? I, I just, it's just funny to me to think that it's like, yeah, we're going to play in a month. And it's like, yeah, I don't know if you know, like, it's still not very good. Like the the amount of players in the NHL that are, have been tested that have been uh, confirmed COVID positive is about 6%. It's not, it's not very high, but in the grand scheme of things, that's way too fucking high. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just funny to me. I Like, I've already made my peace with the idea that, you know that I don't think this should be happening everyone knows that I don't think we should be doing this but it's still just ridiculous to me to see the announcement like August 1st we're going to be playing it's going to be great and I'm like this doesn't look very good like you guys are st- everyone's still just getting sick here you know
0: a uh, couple more dates real quick to, uh, before we move on uh, Alexis Lafreniere draft lottery sweepstakes uh, slated to be held August 10th and the only reason I bring that up uh, is oh, because know that. Um, that would have to mean that the play in round will be done within roughly a week. Um, I would imagine that by the eighth or ninth, that round would have to be completed so that they have at least a day to do the draft lottery sweepstake thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so give that round a week, which is that's pretty, like, that's, that's a good rate to move at if, if this is what you're trying to accomplish, is this, you know pack tournament with 24 teams you got to do these things in in that kind of frame of time if, if you're gonna have uh, dates kept and and, and all the, all the rest um, and lastly the uh, the other uh, piece of uh, uh, critical date stuff to keep in mind is, is November 1st will be the start of free agent frenzy so all these guys that would normally have been signed on July 1st, uh, their contracts have been bumped back by about five months or so, um, which is only significant because, like, as I saw on Twitter the last couple nights, there is a lot of weird little, you know, signing stuff that goes on at this point with, um, with players as their teams get eliminated. Um, just off the top of my head, you know, like, guys that get eliminated from contention... In the play-in round, and, and as the playoffs progress, they can go sign a contract in Europe and start playing in hockey in Europe in October, because it looks like Europe's going to start on time. Only if you opt out of the playoffs this year are you ineligible to return next year. Okay.
1: Uh, I thought I read differently, but I'll take your word for it, because I'm sure you're looking right at it right now.
0: Yeah, it, it, like, it was very... like I definitely wasn't sure uh, the first couple I times read tweet, I read it. So
1: it's very right. possible I read it wrong. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if everyone knows this. Uh, Twitter sometimes uh, a cesspool for information. So
0: right. Um, also, uh, they won't require waivers. Interestingly enough, so this is kind of the the Ryan O'Reilly rule, um, where you know the Flames famously had the offer sheet kerfuffle in 2013. Uh, basically, if any of these guys decide that they do want to go play in Europe for a couple months, they have until December 15th to sign a contract in NHL. And as long as it's signed before December 15th, they are waiver exempt. They can just come back from the European leagues. Um, obviously, if, if they file after that and they want to come back, well, then there's going to be some, some waiver issues and uh, every team uh, theoretically should have a shot at them. But just layers upon layers of, of weird little tidbits of, of stuff. Like I said, like if you opt out to play in the NHL you know, playoffs this year and then you go to Europe well, you're, you're in Europe next year. Like, you cannot come back and play in the NHL in 2020, 2021, or however they're dating that, because it probably should just be 2021. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. um, lots of little things like that. Um, uh, I think we touched on it last week, but, you know, just stuff like those European free agents that were signed, they, they can't come back for the playoffs this year. That has been confirmed. Uh, I guess when we talked about it last, it was kind of still up in the air. But uh, So no Kirill Kaprazov's, no Ilya Sorokin's. They they cannot play this year. Um, stop me if I'm going too fast, because I'm just trying to get uh, as much of this out there as I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, the salary upper cap limit will be frozen for next year at $81.5 million, which is the exact same cap that we have for this season. Um, and it's going to stay there, they say until the hockey-related revenue returns to $4.8 billion, which was the projected number for this season. Um, I don't know how long it takes to make $4.8 billion, but it sounds like it might be a while, especially if we can't play a full season next year, especially if this playoff this year gets shut down in any capacity. Um, Mm -hmm. So we might have a lot of teams in a lot of predicaments uh, the longer that this cap stays flat. Uh, notably, the you know the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, obviously big issues for them if if this stays flat for long. The the real tricky one I think will be Vancouver,
1: Vancouver because yeah. uh, like people have brought up uh, Toronto, Tampa Bay, uh, the Rangers. The thing with a lot of those teams, the Rangers not quite as much, but with Toronto and Tampa Bay, they have movable contracts. Whereas with Vancouver, like the shit that's weighing them down is either they need to decide. Are you going to trade uh, one of your only valuable players or are you going to buy out uh, the garbage that you're currently paying? Because they don't really have anyone in between where it's just like you can jettison this guy to free up some room. It literally jumps from good good player, good contract to bad player, bad contract. There's almost no in between. Right. So Vancouver's in a tricky spot because they're paying about 15 guys that they shouldn't be paying um, what they're paying. So oh. that that'll be an interesting one. Like I said, with Toronto, I mean, no nobody wants to do it, but like, there's obviously trade value to Kapanen. There's always trade value to to Janssen. Like they can move these guys if they need to move them, right?
0: Jim Benning knows that. Like, no movement clauses aren't just naturally part of contracts, right? Because like, I did not realize uh, how many they had. That is wild.
1: Yeah, uh, G- Jim Benning, uh, really fucking stupid.
0: Like, really, really an idiot. Fair enough. um I guess the good news here, though, is that the cap didn't go down, which was kind of floated around as being an option, um, strictly because like the league did not make the money that it kind of expected to. This is how the salary cap works. We, you know, I, I think the league theoretically uh, could have just walked in and said, "Okay, uh, you know what? We didn't make our money, so the cap is now at 76 million dollars next year," and that would have caused a lot more problems than keeping it where it is uh, moving forward. Um, So I'll say crisis averted uh, in in that regard. And um, we don't have to talk about 17 trades that are going to take place the minute that next season gets underway to shed all this money or or whatever.
1: The off season is going to be um, very interesting because, even best case scenario like we do actually end up playing all the hockey that we're supposed to play and we do actually get a stanley cup champion like you're gonna have the the usual reactionary uh, decisions made to what happened in the playoffs or what didn't happen to the playoffs for some teams but you're also going to have this now where the cap is flat we need to we need to uh, shed some salary You've got owners that always tell GMs to do that every every offseason. There's always a few teams where it's like, you know, the Panthers are trying to cut payroll or whoever. And, like, it's just, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens because, like, even with some of these free agents, like, I don't I don't really know what's going to happen with Taylor Hall, for example. Like, I don't know if, if he's just going to re-sign in Arizona because they're willing to pay him, and it it at least is a known destination where he can maybe make himself more money next summer. Um, Or what, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't know if he's going to take the show-me contract in Arizona. Uh, I mean, who knows? Like, if he goes and scores a bunch of goals in this fucking playoff, great. But, like, uh, all the money that, even without this pandemic, like, if, if he would have just finished the season playing how he was playing in Arizona, he was losing tons of money this summer regardless. Then the pandemic happened, and you're looking at a guy who's going from a player that, you know, under a lot of circumstances should be making like ten and a half million dollars to a guy that I probably wouldn't even give six million dollars a year right now mm-hmm. like he he's not he did nothing this year so you know, like, he's a guy. It's like, what do you what do you make of that? Tyson Berry's another guy. Like, you know, went from a guy we were talking about a year ago to an eight-year, $64 million player to a guy. It's like, uh, does he get an NHL deal? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what's he getting? Like, I don't know. It's going to be fascinating to see what a lot of these teams do and what a lot of these free agents do because uh, the cap staying flat certainly does not help a lot of these free agents who uh, many of which I wouldn't sign in the first place.
0: Oh, yeah, that's the thing too, right? Like, you talk about Taylor Hall. And what he deserves uh, is never what he's gonna get, right? Like in the history of At the NHL, of this game, anyway. Well, no, that, that's just the thing. Like some some teams gonna walk in and be like, Taylor Hall won a Hart Trophy two years ago. Here's eight, nine that's million dollars, and that was gonna happen until the pandemic hit. And now, because like you said, the the flat cap, like a lot of these guys might be losing a lot of money just because there's not gonna be enough pieces of the pie to go around, and and yeah. it's gonna have to come from somewhere. So. Paul's
1: a big one. I mean, obviously he's yeah. the big name, but it's it's he's the big name in the sense that he won a Hart Trophy two years ago. But, like, I mean, quite honestly, like, based on what he did in Arizona, it's not like he was playing in the most offensive system. But, like, you know, you would watch their games and he completely blended in. So I don't know if it was the wrong system for him coming off of a bad team, so it's just making him look bad. Like, he, he very likely is going to go down as one of the most interesting careers of all time because I just, like... You know he he real I hate to say it because I think he's really good but like on paper he's really only had one good year out of the last seven yeah so it's like what do you what do you make of him like I don't I don't really know um and this certainly doesn't help
0: uh for the first time since 2005 uh, rookies will be able to earn a little more uh than they used to on their entry level deals so it looks like the Leafs uh, got theirs taken care of right on time um. Jumping from eight hundred and fifty thousand to a million bucks per performance, a bonuses. Again, not not a huge number that we're talking about, but uh, with the Ottawa Senators having two top five picks, you just know Eugene Melnick is not happy. So, what else? Uh, the Olympics. The Olympics are back. We're going to the Olympics. The uh, the NHL players got their wish. Uh, they have been granted permission to attend the twenty twenty two Beijing Olympics and the twenty twenty six Apparently in Milan uh, Olympics, uh, pending negotiation, of course, with the IHF and the IOC. Um, I know you're not a, a big Olympic guy when it comes to the hockey, but um, you know, nah, is, it's just is, overblown. Is this something that you're, you're like? Is, this is good for the players, like this. You know, it's nice to see get them get what they want in a sense. I mean, conceivably, like I. Um... I, I've said it before I'll say it again
1: I it's easier for me to say because I'm not an NHL player but just from the outside looking in like I've always been the guy who it's just like I would rather I would rather play in every single Stanley Cup playoffs and not necessarily win a Stanley Cup than ever play in a single Olympic game yeah. like I just I never had a I've never had an allure for it and it's maybe it's because it only happens every four years and you know 2006 uh, damaged my heart but um... I, I I don't I don't know, but like obviously it's something that a lot of these players take pride in. I just I'm not um, quite a, quite as much of a nationalist as I think a lot of NHL players are, but um, I I think that a lot of them wanted to play in the in the Olympics most probably if they if they were given the opportunity. Um, so this is huge for them because there was talk years ago that. You know, is Ovechkin just going to leave the NHL just so he can play in the Olympics one year, right? Like, everyone's talking about all these stars from from Russia and, and maybe even Sweden and things like that that value the Olympics a little bit more than maybe North American guys do. Um, you know, are, are they going to leave and go and play? So uh, it's an issue now that we don't have to worry about, which is nice. Um, I, I obviously would still rather watch NHL players in the Olympics than non-NHL players. Because I didn't, uh, I, I barely watched more than twenty minutes of the Olympic hockey the last time around. Um, whereas, like at least during the Olympics, I do watch like most of Canada's games, if not all, uh, every single minute of it. So, um, it's good for the players for sure, and it's good for most fans. I think I'm a very big outlier in that I don't care, but um, I understand why people do. It's. Uh, You know, I'm watching the World Cup reruns on TV too because they've been re-airing those and I cared even less about that and I'm watching it and I'm just looking at the hockey quality and I'm like, this is not even close to when the Olympics happen. You know what I mean? Like, Team North America was going balls to the wall but I'm watching every other team. I'm watching Canada, Russia and I'm like, this is horrible and these are the best players in the world playing and I'm watching the game like, this is terrible hockey. Because I think there's just not as much of... uh, um, They're not putting themselves on the line as much as they would for the Olympics, because obviously you're talking about Olympic gold medal. Like I get it. So, um, it's great for the players. It's great for the fans. And, and, uh, it's a, it's peace of mind that I'm sure a lot of them were worried about having.
0: Yeah. Ha- happy to see them get, uh, that back in, in this new CBA. Cause I, I know that that was going to be a, one of those things that by the time they got around to it, we would have missed the 2022 Olympics, uh, theoretically. So, uh, they got that out of the way. They got what they want. And, uh, I guess yeah. we'll see what happens in uh, in China. Um, and, I mean, it's
1: a, it's a big win for the players too, because, like, honestly, I've said it before, I completely understand why the NHL did not send the players the last time around. Uh, I probably would be, if I were part of the NHL, on board of not sending them this time around. So it's um, it's a huge win for them for sure, because the the twenty twenty two was never that was never like necessarily going to be something that they were going to get sent to. Like it it was possible they weren't going to go to that. So.
0: Now we get the uh, possibility of my wish, which is that the uh, uh, IOC turns around and says, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> make it happen. Make well, it happen. You
1: uh, you got to watch out for that. Uh, you heard about this, that Chinese flu. You got to be careful about that. Mm. So, yeah, exactly. Jesus Christ. What an idiot.
0: Um. This is an interesting one that I I just want to touch on because it only affects about seven guys in the league still, but the NHL made a point of addressing it. Uh, The cap recapture penalty that we've heard a little bit about, uh, especially regarding Shea Weber and and what happens to him if he retires, um, that has been altered. So, uh, Famously, Shea Weber would have had a $24.5 million cap hit uh, affect the Nashville Predators based on the way his contract was signed, when it was signed, Um, the NHL has kind of stepped in and said, that's not going to be the case. What will happen now is um, that player's cap, you know, average cap value will simply stay on the books for as long as it takes to match that recapture penalty. Mm -hmm. Again, uh, which, which makes total sense. Oh, definitely. I never
1: really, I never really understood the, uh, the cap recapture, like the purpose of that other than to like punish teams. But again, I think that's, that's not necessarily a sound way to go about it. No,
0: I, I, I definitely think it was one of those, you know, things they looped in to say like, hey, yeah, you can do this, but maybe you shouldn't because this might happen, kind of thing. But yeah. um, it, it's just a classic
1: case of when when the CBA was initially established, uh, the NHL trying to do certain things to try and make the the salary cap harder on teams and at first was probably a smart idea because it's sort of why the salary cap came in, was to create some more competition. But little did they realize that um, most of the NHL general managers are just friends of the former general manager or friends of the owner or former players, and a lot of them are, get this, really stupid. And therefore the salary cap's going to be hard enough to manage to begin with, so we don't need to add more shit to make this more complicated because, trust me, they'll fuck it up on their own. It's all fine. Look at the Vancouver Canucks. Look at the Detroit Red Wings. Exactly. Um, Look at the Leafs five years ago.
0: The playoff share uh, has increased by double for these uh, upcoming Mm -hmm. playoffs. Uh, $16 million uh, was the amount of money that was dished out from the NHL to pay the players uh, last year. $32 million will be available this year. And this is... Got to be strictly at its, you know, core, just an incentive to make sure these guys don't all in unison walk away, um, even though they might and and they could and they probably should. But this is, you know, clearly just a tactic where the NHL is going to go, hey, we understand. Here's some more money. Here's twice as much money, uh, honestly, which is kind of surprising given the fact that, you know, obviously the NHL lost a lot of money to begin with, and I I was really surprised to see them put this type of sentiment forward. But I I think that they are obviously aware that they might have a big problem facing, you know, guys just not coming back. And um, this is their way of trying to lure them in. So we'll see if it
1: works. Yeah. I mean, like, I I don't know if it helped, but I mean, Artemi Panarin and, and Ryan Kessler coming out and, and, Panarin making it known that he was super against uh, the amount of money that the owners take in and basically said, like, it's time that we we make a change here um, was, you know, a nice aggressive way of doing it. But even Ryan Kessler just, like, he made such a good point with it. Just, like, I forget exactly how the tweet went, but just he, he so eloquently compared it to something else that everyone just had to read the tweet and be like, yeah, he's got a fucking point. You know what I mean? Like, it, it was... The perfect storm last week that I think maybe gave the NHL a little bit of kick in the ass to realize, like, fuck, like if Artemi Panarin's saying that he, you know, conceivably might walk away from the NHL because of the, you know, because of how the payments work, like, uh, we should probably say, we should probably do something because he's the biggest star in, uh, like, the top five biggest market um, in the world. So, I mean, they sort of had to play ball a little bit there. But it was kind of surprising too, I think Panarin would not have been the guy that I would have thought would, would come out with something like that, just because he's not a very outspoken guy at all in the past, but um, I was glad to see it, because I think he's the perfect guy to say something, because he's, he's I don't mean anything by it. this. Is just a it's just a common thread. Like Russians don't usually come out and speak out about this kind of stuff in the NHL. So it was unheard of because he's Russian. It's unheard of because he doesn't typically say anything about it. And it's also unheard of because he's like, I would consider like one of the 10 biggest stars in the sport right now. Mm -hmm. So it was huge, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. A couple, couple last ones here just to put a bow on uh, all this return to play stuff. Uh, There's an escrow cap, the NHL PA, obviously the players push for this pretty heavily uh to instill some sort of you know hard cap on on what escrow can be um and you know like obviously even pre-pandemic this was always an issue where the players didn't really know you know you probably have an expert that says it's going to be six percent and then all of a sudden it comes out it's 7.2 percent and now the players have lost albeit 1.2 percent but you know that's that's their money they're they're kind of entitled to know how much they're going to have and and uh, and all the rest. The last three years of this new CBA, which uh, goes from 2024 to 2026, 6% cap on escrow, which is, by my uh, account, the lowest um, that uh, the uh, P- Players Association has had to deal with. Uh, 20% kickoff next year. It's going to be high. It's, it's obviously kind of part of the Part of the way things work, and unfortunately, it's going to affect these guys right off the hop. And if, if you're an older guy like Zdeno Chara, you know you might not get to 2024 and, and get to see those returns um, come down the way that, that they're going to. But for the majority of the league, this is going to be a good thing that kind of you know works itself out by by the end of this CBA. Um, all all no trade and no move clauses will travel with the player in a trade. This was very interesting. Um, I can't imagine it's gonna make trading harder per se, but it obviously, like the the PK Suban was was the big example that people kind of pointed to here, where you know the Canadians traded him the day before his no move clicks in. He goes to Nashville. And now all of a sudden, the no move doesn't exist because he's gone to a different team that didn't sign the no move. So that's that's out the door. That can't happen anymore. Um, if you got a guy in your team that you want to move before his no move kicks in, well, the team he, he's going to is going to have to deal with that. So it will be interesting. And this only goes back to you know the idea of working around this you know flat cap that we're going to have, and you know teams might be a little bit more. You know, cautious on taking on certain guys, knowing that, hey, two years down the road, we're going to, you know, have to deal with this guy that's got a no move. Like William Nylander comes to example. Uh, you know, not not a guy that, you know, I think we want to see the Leafs trade, but a guy that might be traded just, you know, the way the business works. And uh, some teams are going to have to look at that and say, hey, this guy's got a, a no trade clause at the end of his, you know, seven years. And that's something that they'll have to consider. And, and obviously, it's uh, t- you know not necessarily today's GM's problem. It might be the problem of tomorrow's GM. But uh, um, I- I'm interested to see how this this shakes down. If it if it affects the number of trades we see, or or if it's just kind of a moot point that uh, that's you know the players pushed for and-, and got. It's
1: sort of the way to me. Like it would have always made sense to work right. Like I I understand why you waive a no trade clause then it's waived so it it shouldn't just magically reappear on the new team but I mean like it's also in the contract and you traded for the contract so it's always been a kind of a weird thing to me where it's just like shouldn't it just go like right back into effect the way it fucking was in the first place yeah so like logically this is the way it it sort of makes sense I get why it wasn't this way to begin with but um yeah to me I I think it makes perfect sense I'm, I'm good with it
0: um Look at this. Just agreeing with everything going on sure. here. This is unusual. We're doing great. Um, the NHL minimum salary will increase. Not by much. It's only $50,000 cool. $50, per year. Love it. Um, cool. Love it. But uh, somebody did point out that this will mean that Mitch Marner earns $4 million more in his contract because, of course, everything <laughs> is about the Leafs. So, uh, Welcome yeah. to salary cap hell. It will never end. And lastly, this this is a weird one that I just want to mention because I can't believe it wasn't all... I guess I can believe it's the NHL. Uh, Players will now get to choose where they rehab their long-term injuries. So if you break your leg in a game, you can decide that I would like to go and rehab my uh, broken leg at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota because I like the doctors at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. Instead of your team being like, no, you have to get your leg rehabbed in Knoxville, Tennessee. Johnny's Discount yeah. Leg
1: Rehab in fucking... <laughs>
0: tire in Shop. In fucking uh, yeah.
1: Cohabitsburg, Alabama. Yeah. It's like, oh, that sounds terrible. I'm,
0: I'm sure that the, the...
1: Y'all come back now,
0: you hear? Uh, I'm sure the teams do their best to send their players to uh, places that are not side-of-the-road, one-stop tire shops. Type of rehab facilities, I mean, but
1: yeah, this is a league where like Eugene Melnick and Tom Dunden own teams, so yeah. you know. So yeah,
0: now now the players not to will name uh, names
1: or anything, of course, will
0: uh, will get to choose where. And um, uh, the only the only asterisk here is uh, unless the team can prove that rehab will not be possible in that city. don't know why it wouldn't mm-hmm. be possible. Uh, perhaps some sort of uh, COVID quarantine. Uh, situations that might might linger would be the only reason, but uh, yeah, thought that was interesting and was kind of shocked that players didn't already get a say in that, but again, it's the NHL, so mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the day uh, this this piece by Frank Cervelli, he does mention that this is the you know, this is the closest, this is the best that he's seen the NHL and the NHLPA work together on, on these types of issues, and Obviously, the pandemic is a factor, um, but I I, I am kind of hopeful that maybe this this is some sort of bridging where in 2026 we can, you know, look back and and these these sides can say to themselves that we're going to get on top of this ahead of time and and not wait for the season to get shut down again.
1: There definitely were a lot of issues that um, were big for the players that took steps forward in in this agreement. So, yeah, you're right. Like, it is optimistic because, um, you know, the Olympics was always going to be a big thing. Uh, The playoff share was always going to be a big thing. Like, all these things took a positive step forward. And that does lead me to think, yeah, like, uh, maybe naive, but it leads me to think we might be okay in 2026 as well. Um, But it is one of those leagues, like, things just change on a dime, especially in sports and especially now in, in the current climate. Um, you know, it's 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 adapt or die kind of a little bit for these leagues, and um, these were things that honestly the owners were gonna have to fucking deal with, otherwise, uh, otherwise we were gonna have major problems, right? And um, if the players walk away, especially now, uh, you've got some major problems, and of course, like you know, in the next, uh, it's a little bit unclear. I don't know if you have it in front of you whether it's today or it's next week, the deadline for players that are gonna opt out. Like, that's going to be an interesting list, too. Like, the players that just straight up say they're not coming. Because um, the amount of stars in the MLB and in the NBA that have sort of started to come out where it's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if there's anyone of that caliber in the NHL that says that, right? Like, David Price, albeit not David Price that he used to be. Like, David Price is still, like, one of the highest paid MLB players. He's still a very productive rota- rotation starter. Uh, just straight-up said he's not going to play this year. Mike Trout is rumored, literally the biggest star in baseball. He's rumored to be uh, maybe going home. Yeah. So, you know, like, are we going to see similar caliber players in the NHL? Like, Sidney Crosby, as far as I know, doesn't really have, like, a immediate family. So, I mean, he should be going. But and, and, a lot of these guys have kids. A lot of these guys have wives yeah. with health problems. Like, Nick Felino's a guy, you know? So, it'll be interesting. Like, with
0: the, with the NHL, it's I I think it's a little easier on paper to say that we're not going to go and we're going to miss the playoffs and, and all this baseball is so interesting to me because like, if Mike Trout says, I'm not going to play this year. Well, do the Los Angeles angels turn around and go like, okay, you owe us a year of your contract. Then like, we're, you know, paying you to play for us. This is part of the window that we are paying you to play for us. Does he, you know, I'm really curious to see how the, MLB kind of handles that on the owner side of things, and not that I like siding with the owners very often, but it, it is very kind of interesting. We saw the same thing with the in the NHL in the '90s, and the NHL turned around mm-hmm. and said, like, yeah, no, you owe the Senators like six years. That's that's how the contract works. You don't just get to not play hockey. So,
1: so you're saying that in effect, like Mike Trout would have, uh, sort of, but not really, like an like the year wouldn't come off the contract, and he is now signed through. 2029 instead of 2028 is what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. No, I thought you meant like you, he owed them that year of pay. I'm like, well, yeah, (laughs) I think I'd assume they know they're not going to get paid to not go. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But yeah, no, that's, I mean like, you know, you never know. Some teams might actually pay these guys to, to stay home depending on the ownership, but um, yeah, no, you're, you're right. And I honestly, I think that it's probably a fucking small issue if you're David Price or, um, Mike Trout with a young kid at home, right? Like I, I don't know. We'll mm-hmm. Worry about twenty, thirty when we get there. I don't really care, right?
0: Just to kind of answer your might question. might be a bad
1: move for the team, actually. To be honest with you, depending on that too, right? Like depending I don't know if the Dodgers, about, yeah. I don't know if the Dodgers want to tell David Price he owes him another year. I don't know if I want to add another year to that fucking yeah. deal. I think it's long enough. It's good. Uh,
0: just to kind of answer your question though, the uh, the deadline was supposed to be today, um, but. The way they kind of worded it was that it would be set two days after the return to play had been voted on and, you know, passed by the owners and players. So as of noon today, it hadn't been signed in. So I'm going to say that we're going to we're looking at at least Friday uh, for a deadline for return to play stuff. Um, Do you think we're going to see a lot of guys? You know, I, I don't. And I, I think I'm, I'm, I could be wrong, but I think it's just part of that, you know, we talked a lot about it, but that hockey culture, that idea that you don't really quit on the boys. And, you know, you might have those guys that are sitting at home, and I'm, I'm sure there's going to be guys that, that don't. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that we, we're going to have zero guys skip out, but I don't know. It's, th- it's interesting. Think...
1: I think we're going to see guys opt out, but you're right in the sense that I think there are going to be less guys opting out than guys that want to opt out. There are going to be a lot of guys who are going to go because they feel like they should. Yeah, And I, I get it. You know, it it depends too. Like, like this is something, if I were 20, I don't know that I would feel the same as I do at 27. Like, you know, I, I, you change a lot as a person as time goes on. Your values change, and and like if I were twenty, twenty one, I probably don't give a fuck. I'm I'm going like we're we're going we're gonna win this thing we're gonna do it. But like even me like I don't have a family I don't have kids, and even at twenty seven like it's just to me it's fucking insane they're going back. But um, you know there are gonna be guys in their thirties that still think it's necessary they go back. And uh, Justin Williams just said today like I didn't uh, I didn't sign up to play twenty games and and fade out. Like, I'm here to win a Stanley Cup. He's going, you know. So, it's going to be interesting to see who does and who doesn't. I, I mean, I wouldn't, like, again, I hate to, like, make him the poster boy. But, like, I wouldn't blame Nick Felino for not going. I think it would be a smart decision not to go. But he is also the captain of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Like, there's a decent chance that he just goes. Because that's, you know, maybe that's how he sees his role. I, I don't really know. He's a, he's a yeah. guy I'm really curious to see. Um what he does, because uh, for those who don't know, he does have a, a, a daughter who's got some significant health issues that I believe sort of come and go, but, um, you know, it, it might not be wise to go is
0: all I'm saying. Um, To me, it, it's like, I, I don't think Henrik Lundqvist would be the type of guy that would sit there and, and guilt you into something, but could you imagine being on the Rangers and going like, gee, you know, this might be yeah. this legend's last shot. Do I really want to be the guy that doesn't show up to, you know, maybe cost hank a cup sure it's a lot it's a lot to think about like there's a lot of different factors and yeah. like to your point like family is a big one i i was happy to see that the league is going to give families the option of of joining the teams when the conference finals comes around so that at most you know you're kind of away for your family for about a month it's not yeah. great but it, it is a it is a stepping stone. Like it, it is a way that, you know, they're trying to say, Hey, we realize that you guys, you know, have these people in your lives that it's tough to be away from. And, and this is our, our best case, you know, way of, of making you, you know, kind of help, help you out with that. So
1: the good news by doing it so far down the line is it gives them time to figure out how to make that possible too. Right. Because there's, there's just no way that that makes any sense now, but Maybe in a month it does make sense, or two months yeah. it makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, you know, now that's it's an insane idea, but we don't know where we're going to be at in two months. These might be we might be talking about um, two cities where there's no active cases by then. You know, and that's optimistic, but that might be the case. You know, like uh, could be the numbers are going a lot better in Toronto than I thought they would be by this point. If you would ask me a couple weeks ago, so um, that is good news. I th- I think it was twenty new cases the other day they announced. Like that's. For an area like Toronto, that's that's basically none. Like that's really low. So Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I agree see, with uh, you though. You're you're uh-huh. right.
1: Like I, I don't I'm sure there are gonna be other motivations hockey related that are gonna pressure some of these guys to go back. Like I, I I would imagine like a guy like Jesper Fast, who comes from Sweden with Henrik Lundqvist, is gonna feel obligated to go. But like is is like Greg McKegg's on the Rangers. Do you think Greg McKeggeg really gives a fuck about going back right now to sit in the press box every night and and, you know what I mean? Like is he? Uh, I, I'm assuming he's still in the Rangers.
0: <laughs> I think he's still fucking playing there. He's on their stat sheet. It, it's tough. Like th- those fringe guys, I think are going to be the guys you, where you're going to see the most numbers of of opting out. You know, yeah. the thirteenth forward, the seventh defenseman type of guys. But look, this is the NHL. Uh, this is the playoffs where everybody wants to play through the injuries, but. This is going to, they're expanded rosters. So you're going to need those guys to kind of step in and, and, and help out. So it's it's tough. I don't know.
1: I, I would say the only way is if, because I know these players talk, like even though they're on different teams from different countries, they've maybe even never met. Like I know a lot of these star players talk to each other. If a few of them don't want to go, the numbers could be pretty drastic. But sure. I'm willing to bet that most of these guys are willing to go. But it's just, like, like I don't know if Claude Giroux talking to some of, the, some of the other guys on other teams and Giroux says he's not going. Like, It helps to know that a guy like Claude Giroux maybe is saying, like, I'm not going. And it's, mm-hmm. if you see Claude Giroux doing it, like, okay, well, a well-respected player in a sport, like, maybe I'm not going to go either, right? It, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see, but I don't think we're going to see... It's either going to be a couple stars or the numbers are going to be big. Um which Couple I of don't Dallas think. stars. Uh, will Jamie Ben go? As far as I know, the family's all in good health, so I think he'll
2: go.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Um. Okay. So I, I think that's it for the hockey stuff. Unless, unless there's something else that you wanted to touch on. No, I'm good. Uh, that was a lot of escrow okay. talk. A lot of escrow. A lot of numbers. A lot of fa- and it, it, it's it's dry, but it's it's stuff that you got to get out there and got to understand. Awesome. And it's a,
1: it's important. And another thing too is like. Uh, I don't know about you, but like until a few years ago, it's not stuff I would have read about. I would have just gotten informed on podcasts. So, yeah. you know, that's why we're here. We're here to yeah. tell you what's going on.
0: But after all that boring math stuff, we're going to we're gonna have some fun. We're going to play another game, and then we're going to have a top ten, and then uh, that'll be it. And uh, we'll call that the episode. Cool. Um, so, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I've got another game for, for Brutes. He requested that we do another... Uh, carry price tag game. Uh, yeah, well, I'm two for two. I want to keep it going. You know, I like that. I like that. I've I've upped the ante a little bit. I think I've got some players that are still obtainable, but maybe a little tougher overall. Um, cool. so once again, um, I will give you the choice of player A, B, or C, and then I've got a couple questions for you. And the more correct questions you answer, uh, the more you get to spend on clues to figure out who the player is. Sure. So, uh, as we begin, Brutes, would you like player A, B, or C? Well,
1: um, here's what I'm going to do, and I might be fucking myself here, but because I've gone player C uh, for the first two times, and you've told me that you're upping the ante, I have a feeling player C is going to be difficult this time. Um, So I'm going to try to play to the Quizmaster, and I'm going to go player A. Okay,
0: player A it is. Mm -hmm. I've got Alex four... I've got four questions with uh, for you, um, two of which are worth one point, and the others are worth multiple. So we'll just kind of see how you handle this. Um, I'll start you off with an easy question here. If you are ready to go, your first question is, who is the only player to outscore Matt's Sundin in his 13 years with the Maple Leafs?
1: Uh, so there was a year where Matt Sundin didn't lead the Leafs in scoring, you're saying?
0: Of, of his 13th. And, and
1: who was the guy?
0: Just one guy.
1: Okay. Um, hmm. I I definitely knew the answer to this at one point. Um, and I sort of feel that it happened while Sundin was hurt in the 2000s. But I don't know if it would be Caberlet or McCabe, or if I'm missing a glaring forward option. But I want to say there was a year where Thomas Caberlet led the Leafs in points. But it could, it could, I guess it could be like really early Sundin era and could be Doug Gilmore, maybe, or something like that. But and I guess it could be McGilney. Could be anyone. Uh,
0: <laughs> I can um, tell you, you know, it's not Darcy Tucker.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I knew that. I'm going to stick with my initial gut reaction, and I'm going to say McCabe or Caverly, but I got to pick one of them. Um, I I am going to actually say that it was Brian McCabe.
0: Brian McCabe. Mm-hmm. Final answer. Yeah, sure. What the hell? Uh, that isn't correct. Okay. Uh, we were looking for 2003's Alex McGillney. Mm, okay makes sense who uh, who went 79 points to sundin's 72
1: sunday only play like 67 games or something something or? like that i'm sure yeah okay
0: all right well it's too bad uh but you got lots of chances to make up some points uh, especially in this next question um we got a few options here for you uh, i need you to name all of the non-canadian captains that have led their team to a stanley cup Ooh, i like this one
1: okay uh can can you tell me the answer? Like sorry the the number or no?
0: Um I'll say that there has like been three. I'll, I'll say that there have been 6 Stanley Cups oh. that have gone to captains that were not Canadian.
1: Uh, okay, not Canadian, sorry. I was thinking non uh, non North American. Um okay, so Nicholas Lidstrom, mhm. Uh, Alex Ovechkin, mhm. Dustin Brown,
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now it gets a little more interesting because Brown is twice, Lidstrom's once, Ovechkin's once. So in theory, there's two more. Um, I'm trying to think. I feel like there was another one in the 2000s or the 90s. Who the fuck was a
0: captain of the Ducks
1: when they won? Who was a captain of the Ducks?
0: Captain of Randy Carlyle's 2007 Ducks.
1: I don't know who that was the Pronger? Um, yeah, if it's Pronger, it's not the answer. Uh, okay. Tampa Bay was Andrew Chuck. It doesn't matter who Detroit's was at the time. It was probably still Eiserman. Um, Devils probably was Canadian. I think more recent. Petrangelo is Canadian. Crosby's definitely Canadian.
0: I think I think he I'd have to check, but
1: yeah. Uh, is Jonathan Teves Canadian? Um, who else is in there? Boston would have been Zdeno Chara.
2: Hmm.
1: So that means there's one more by by mathematical uh, process. There, 2012 was the Kings. It's got to be a fucking older one, I guess. Um, no, the Stars never won that, did they? Yeah, no, they did. Stars won the Stanley Cup, and their captain might have still been Darian Hatcher. Son of a bitch. I am going to take a little bit of a risk here and say that the other answer I'm looking for is Mike Medano.
0: Mike Medano. Well, Mike Medano is incorrect. Okay. But he did have the team right. Is fucking Darian Hatcher not Canadian? Darian Hatcher is from the U.S. of A.
1: Aw, man. He's just so tough, you know? I thought he was Canadian. He has a Canadian toughness. You... (laughs)
0: Yes, yeah, so that inherent Canadian toughness that we know. Yeah, so no, much other, about.
1: no other country has. Yeah.
0: Well, you got four to five there. That, that's a good haul. Yeah, Thank that's you. banking you some points. Um, bit of a tougher one. We're looking for one answer. Okay. How many times in his 22-year career did Mark Recchi appear in the Stanley Cup Finals?
1: Oh fuck! Jesus Christ! Oh my God! Uh, Pittsburgh, Boston. I don't know, Montreal in the nineties maybe. Maybe Philadelphia in the nineties. This is it's just gonna be a shot in the dark, pretty much, this one. I don't think he won more than two if he even won two. He might have won three, I guess. Well let's pick a number. Let's go uh let's go four. Four. Yeah, it's probably like twelve or something.
0: Going with four. The answer we were looking for was three. Okay. He won three Stanley Cups: uh, the twenty eleven Bruins, the 06 Hurricanes, and the ninety one Penguins.
1: What? Yes. Was he not on the? Was he not on the ninety seven
0: Flyers? Uh, he flyers, joined. He joined the Flyers in nineteen ninety eight. Ugh! What an he, asshole! Uh, he missed out on that. That's not he, missed he won the out. cup with the penguins in the in in 09 or whatever there. He 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 joined the penguins in 07, uh, but uh did uh did not appear in 08 or 09 with them. Hmm, that's fine. I don't really and, like him. Either, so oh, that's fair. That happens. I, I believe he was on the penguins that year you're talking. Uh no, he got traded during the year in 08. So okay. there you go. All right. Well, yeah, you missed out on that one. That was close. It was close. At least you didn't say like you know eight years or something like that. That's that's fine. But you got one more chance to bank some points. We got uh, we got four options for you. We'll see how many you can get. Uh, Brutes, I need you to name the four players that have had their number retired by two different teams that were not forwards. Mm, okay. Um, Red Kelly. Okay, now there's some controversy with Kelly. I'm willing to give you the point. Okay, but he was a four with the Leafs. I didn't even know that. Do I get the point? I'll, I'll get. Gi- oh, you know what? I'll I'll, I'll give you the point. I'll, I'll but he's not one point. of the
1: four, is what you're saying? He's so not one of the
0: four. Five now, I guess.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay, Ray Bork. That is correct. Raymond Bork. Um, that's a tough one. Numbers retired by two different teams. I'm, I, uh, there's just no way that Scott Niedermeyer is not one of them. Because I know it's retired in Anaheim, and it damn well should be retired in New Jersey.
0: You're going Scott Niedermeyer? Yeah, I'm going Scott Niedermeyer. Well, that is correct. Uh, Scott Niedermeyer, the captain of those 07 Ducks, by the way.
1: Oh, yeah. I guess so, eh? Um, oh, yeah. I, now I remember the big beard grabbing the cup. <clears throat> um... Hmm, retired by two different teams. I don't even know that it's necessarily retired by one team, but I'm going to guess Scott Stevens.
0: That is incorrect.
1: Okay. I got so one I'll more guess? You,
0: I'll give you one more guess, yeah. Hmm.
1: I feel like it's got to be somebody old as shit.
2: Hmm.
1: I can't even name defensemen from the 40s. They're all forwards to me. I don't know. I don't know what position anyone played. Um, well, since I'm blanking on an answer and I don't want to take forever, uh, for some reason, Rob Blake kept coming to mind, so I'm just going to guess Rob Blake.
0: Okay. Uh, A good guess, Uh, Rob Blake is retired in L.A., uh, however, not in Colorado or San Jose. Uh, (laughs) He's not retired in San Jose, really? Yeah. Uh, We were looking for Tim Horton, who does have his number retired by the Buffalo Sabres for some reason.
1: Alright.
0: And, and you seem to get kind of hung up on the defenseman and uh, I don't know if, if that led you away from Patrick law with Montreal and Colorado. oh non forwards yeah no forwards yeah, yeah. yeah okay well you still get a bonus point there at a Red Kelly because uh, yeah cool. you, you are correct he was a defenseman with the Red Wings yeah, before right changing positions completely you know a la Brett burns yeah, I watched um, every
1: I watched every Red Wings game that season.
0: Yes, all 42 of them. All right, so you got seven points to spend on player A. Cool. That's a good number. Uh, You know your options. I won't keep rattling rattling them off every week. They're right there in front Um, of you.
1: Well, I'm sticking to my guns here. We're going to go team that drafted. Team that drafted. Uh, That would be the
0: Calgary Flames. Mm,
1: I do not have a great knowledge of their draft history,
0: to be quite honest with you. Um, I'm going to go draft... Year, draft year, is nineteen
1: eighty four. Okay. My first thought is a forward who uh, was not drafted, so that's a good start. Um, draft position.
0: Draft position is a hundred and seventeenth.
1: Sweet, that's great. That's three. Um, I would like last or current. Well, last team. I'm assuming. I feel like it'd be pretty fucking obvious if it was a current player.
0: Uh, The last team they played for was the Phoenix Coyotes. That's four.
1: Interesting. Interesting. Oh, no. That normally helps more than it does. Um, I would like their position.
0: Position, according to hockey reference, is right wing.
1: Goaltender would have been funny.
0: Um two guess or two clues left I do have a thought
1: but I think country of origin will be a problem because it's disputable so I am going to ask for hmm I have two left. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't want country of origin I, with this player that that could be a, a problem. Would I know their career high in points if I heard it? I think I would. I, I'm going to go season high in points.
0: Or wins, but they're not a goalie. Yeah.
1: well, <laughs> um, I don't want their win high. I would have no idea what their fucking
0: team won. Season high points is 131. Mm, okay,
1: I think I got it. Um,
0: uh, Handedness, please. Handedness is right... Okay, and am I I'm
1: out of clues, or do I have? You're out of clues. Left? That is. I would like seven. I would like to solve the puzzle. Uh, please do. Are we talking about Brett Hull?
0: We're talking about Brett Hull.
1: Nice. There we go. There it is. <laughs> the only fucking Flame draft pick finishing their career in the Coyotes like mid two thousands. Fucking like a, it's got to be Brett Hull. Like you know, he
0: he's he's one of those guys where like I I know a lot of people don't realize that he's a Flames draft pick. So. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I didn't know if that would I would have, didn't know if that would screw up. And then, of course, as you predicted, the country of origin—something uh, to stay <laughs> could away have been from. A problem? There. Yeah, it could have been a problem. I would have said Canada. I, yeah, I did. I didn't
1: know if you were going to be like, ah, oh, he's Canadian and American. I'm like, oh, I wonder who that could fucking be. Yeah, the asshole that wouldn't play. You know, for Canada, right? There
0: you go. Uh, cool. Um, that was fun. Yeah, there you go. So uh, that's another round of that. You're three for three still. You're killing it. Um, yeah. Even I'm, even as I'm, I turn up the ante, so I'm putting you to shame on
1: these quizzes lately, eh? Yeah,
0: let's uh, <laughs> let's let's try out uh, one of the Kevin Adams for next week uh, on the mystery player. See if you can figure out which Kevin Adams it is. Yeah. Really please screw don't. me up. Yeah, yeah. okay.
1: <laughs> you should add a category. Does he have a Y in his first name? And then that'll be uh, that'll help.
0: There you go. That's not is a it bad idea. Kevin
1: or Kevin Adams.
0: Uh, okay, so uh, top ten is all we have left, I think. Top ten. Top, top 10. ten. Okay. Top 10.
1: Uh, it was my choice this week. Uh, James and I have, uh, for some reason, it's just come up a lot recently, what we uh, think is the Glorious Sun's best song. We we, we didn't do um, their best song. We did our favorites because it's a little bit easier to just contrast and compare. And, uh, but, but I am of the mind their best song is, is Pink Motel. I don't know if anyone else is a fucking Glorious Suns fan listening to this. If not, you might want to turn the rest off because we're going to be talking about the Glorious Suns. so. Nice.
0: Big fan. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll give my honorable mention because this was the, uh, to date, I would go as far as to say this was the hardest top 10 for me. Um, there's just like 10 other songs that were like really close to making it and, um, I just feel like cutting songs makes it seem like I don't like those songs. I really think that there's... I really think that there's only, like, one song of theirs that I don't listen to regularly, and it's Lover Under Fire, which is still a good song. I just don't listen to it very often. I'm sure I will have a phase where I grow back into it, but... uh, But my number 10 is from their 2019 album, A War on Everything. Uh, It is called Lean On Me Love. Uh, Big fan. Very, uh very just nice rhythm to the song it's you know it's good for dancing it's good for just listening it's good uh, it's good for everything i think uh features a reference to um i mean unconfirmed but uh, his girlfriend uh, joe from the beaches uh which i thought was was pretty cool so yeah uh
0: good good song big fan of that one it nearly did make the list for me um, yeah it's really good like, like you said, like there, there's these ten songs that we're going to talk about, but like songs eleven through forty-two are like pretty close, so yeah, the degree kind of, of
1: separation's not very big between a lot of these. Um yeah. but yeah,
0: um, my sorry, I, 10... I didn't even say I didn't even say my
1: honorable mention. My honorable mention was shapeless art uh, that got cut, but
0: that's a that's a good one. That's a good yeah. one. I'm a big fan. Um, uh, my number ten is "Kick Them Wicked Things" off of mm, good uh, Or on Everything." This is just uh, going to be
1: a broken record between it. It's like, oh, you know what? Good, good
0: choice. Good, good, good for song. you, man. Good for you. Good call. <laughs> I agree.
1: Uh, "Kick Them Wicked Things" is a good one. I always confuse the bridge of a few songs on that album, though. Is that the? Is the bridge the "My Brother Killed a Man in Fort McMurray" on that song, or is that a different song?
0: Yeah, it is that one. That's that one. I, I like the fucking, story of that song. That's, that's it's a why good I get story. The edge, yeah
1: uh very underrated band lyrically i think for sure like i it's that's, that's fair really good lyrics like really good uh, my number nine is from uh 2014's the union uh it's called the contender uh absolute mm. banger gets me fired up they opened with it at a show before and literally just played the riff for like three minutes till they started playing um it was i believe on the contender tour uh great yeah, it song. It, it's just a it's just a banger. Like I just it gets me going every time I hear it. I think it's fucking great. I I love it.
0: Okay. Good song. Good song. Mm-hmm. Of uh, their of
1: their like hard sort of banger songs, it's 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 up there for me because as you'll know, as you'll see on the rest of my list, a lot of softer stuff on this list. But
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh number nine, Godless, Graceless and Young, off mm-hmm. young booties and few uh fools. Yeah. Not not You know fools. what? Good choice, man. Fools.
1: Thanks, man. Good choice. That's a Big good fan. choice, man. Big fan.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, 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 too, am godless, uh, graceless, and I I guess some would call me young. I'm mm. getting up there. Yeah,
1: of those things, young would be third on the list for you, for sure. Yes,
0: thank you. Mm-hmm.
1: It kind of goes in order for you, I think. Godless, I graceless, think so. and young. Like, you're more godless than you are graceless. There's a little bit of, well, uh, to quote Seinfeld, like, you can't have a little grace. You're, uh, you either have grace or you don't. So I guess you don't, but...
0: I have grace, too. Yeah. Grace, you. You
1: you can't have some grace. I don't uh, plan on getting grace. And it's not something you can acquire. Look, I don't want grace. I don't have grace. I don't even say grace. Uh, My number eight is thank you for saying goodbye uh, from Young Beauties and Fools 2017. Mm. I think, uh, yeah, it's just, um, yeah... The album came out when I was going through a breakup, so I think it kind of held me. uh, It kind of helped me. uh, It was just a relatable song at the time, but I still think lyrically it's really a fascinating song. Um, It's slow, but it's got a cool little riff to it I like. I play it all the time on my
0: guitar. Um, It's a great song. I like it. Very fair. Uh, Number eight for me would be uh, Everything is Alright off Young Beauties and Fools. Well,
1: spoiler alert, that is my number seven.
0: (laughs) Um uh def uh, I kind of was always a song that I liked but definitely won me over when I saw them at the auditorium here in town and just getting mm-hmm. the crowd involved and and uh, them singing it back to them in the chorus there's it was uh something
1: yeah it is one of those and and this is not really a knock on glorious suns I'm going somewhere with this but like the glorious suns sort of remind me of a criticism I heard years ago about Papa Roach was that they they have no problems writing verses at all their verses are always, like, just money. But sometimes their choruses are just a little simplistic. And I, f- I thought that was, like, an issue with Papa Roach. I don't think it's an issue with Glorious Sons, because a lot of their choruses are just more, like, anthem-oriented, which mm-hmm. sort of makes them simplistic. But, I mean, that's kind of what you want in a radio hit song. It's definitely what you want at a concert. is something you can, uh, as a crowd, sing along to. So it is, a str- it is sort of a strength for the Glorious Sons. Um, and it's part of the thing, like, even though it's my number seven, like, I don't, I don't really get anything out of the chorus of, uh, everything is all right. But verse wise, like the verse, the verse is just so brilliant and easy to sing along with for me, because once you know the words, it's just like, again, it's lyrically, it's just, I think it's genius. Like, I think it's great. It's, it's just a piece of shit rock star, which is what, you know, Brett makes himself out to be, uh, just Singing about another fucking rough morning, kind of thing, almost right. Like it's yeah. just, uh it's super cool. It's a, it's a great song. First time I heard it, I knew it was going to be huge, and um, yeah, and it was, and it, and it is, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You You're go. number seven because that was my number seven.
0: Oh, I see. Uh, my number seven is Sawed Off Shotgun off Young Beauty. I'm going on a Young Beauties and Fools run here, Uh three in a row. That's Sawed Off Shotgun. I'm technically on one too. I I will say that this is a song that probably would have been a top three for me but then it became a single and it just kind of got overplayed a lot and I lost a little of the, of, of the love for it um, every time I listen to an album there's there's a couple songs that I like to pick out and and you know usually sticks with me and and when one of those becomes a single, it it, it almost like I, I lose a little bit of that. Like this is this is my song. This is this is this was for me. Brett wrote this for me. Um, so when it becomes <laughs> a single, it's like okay, no, it's not for me anymore. It's for everybody else. And mm-hmm. um, that was one where it, when it came out, I I jumped all over, and I've I've lightened up a little bit, but I still appreciate it a lot. So
1: yeah. It's part of the problem with songs that are produced to be like just a radio hit single right is like you know there's nothing wrong with that, but if you hear it a certain amount of times, it loses its luster and so yeah. like a prime example for me, like I feel the same way about Sawed off shotgun it's not it's probably not even my top thirty for them just because I'm like I am a little bit sick of hearing it, but it's still a good song yeah. um but like case in point would be like third eye blind like I love semi charm life because I just do genuinely think it's like an- ama- just an amazing song. But Jumper is one where it's just, like, everyone's heard it, everyone knows the words, it's been in movies, it's everywhere. And I just, musically, I don't think it's that interesting of a song, really. The message is cool, but, like, the song itself is just nothing special. And therefore, it's, like, my least, like, one of my least favorite Third Eye Blind songs, right? And I think that happens a lot. Like, you can go down the list, like, like, even Aerosmith has songs I just don't like anymore because I've heard them enough. I'm done with it. I've heard it enough. There's nothing interesting to it because it's just a hit radio single. So it's like, you know, like yep. Don't Stop believing's is another one. Like, I, it's a good song. It's just I've heard it too many times. It's not, not a big sure. deal. Nothing wrong with that. It yeah. happens. Yeah, I, I do get sick of these songs sometimes and Sawed Off Shotgun would be one of them, but it's still a good song. Uh, my number six, and it is a hit radio single, and it is a song everybody knows, but I think it's fucking good enough to uh, beat all that, is uh, my, my number six is White Noise off of The Union 2014. Um live it's it's it might be my favorite song of theirs live to hear. uh i think live it's just written to be fucking mashed around to there's lyrics to it like it's just it's a super cool song um i guess their second really big hit song so it, that's another thing too um but yeah
0: there you go white noise white noise good tuneski um my number six is from the same album uh it is uh lightning off of the union
1: oh interesting
0: lightning gets me going i don't know that's what it is about choice. that song um it's gets me fired up um gets your goats going i i think it's a I, I know it's a single but as far as their singles go i i feel like it's a little you know underrated in, in a way like i uh, lightning could have been on the next it's their, album
1: it's their only single i've never heard on the radio <laughs> you know what i that's mean fair. Like, that's fair never even yeah. heard that on the radio so
0: yeah yeah big fan of lightning Okay,
1: uh, that is, that is fair. Uh, that was sorry. That was your number six. Six. So I'm on number five. Uh, my number five, and I know it's on your list at some point. It might be your number five even. Uh, my number five is from the Union. Technically, not really. Kind of uh, from 2014. Uh, sometimes on a Sunday, which um, I'm not really not really sure if that was a bonus or they just technically added it later or how that really worked, but. Uh, if you're going to associate it with an album, that's the, that's the album it's on. Uh, really, really cool bass. Uh, really cool lyrics. Uh, the story is awesome. You can sing along to it. It is one of their songs that kind of doesn't have a chorus. But if you want to classify what the chorus is, uh, it's a great sort of chorus. Like, easy to sing along with. It's just, there's not a weak spot. We're at the point now... All of the remainder of their songs, I don't have a criticism of them at all. Like, I have nothing bad to say about Sometimes on a Sunday. I just like the other four songs better. Uh, okay. This is a fucking awesome song.
0: My number five is uh, My Poor Heart off of Young Beauties Ooh, and Fools. Fucking,
1: yeah, that was another
0: late cut. Um, that That was... Good choice, man. Yeah, that's... That one gets me again. Like, I don't know. All these songs, like, I, I can just say the exact same 12 words to talk about them because like they're all fantastic, but my poor heart, it was, you know, like you could, you could really hear Brett realizing what it was like to live this life that he'd been chasing for so long in that song. And it's like, I got to slow down a little bit here and and take a breath. And
1: yeah, appreciate it. One, one note I love about that song too, is just the idea that like, like to your point, like him realizing that this is his life is the fact that that's like, the lead the lead song on their second album so this is the first yeah. you're hearing from them in a few years and like this i i really like i might even overrate it i really when i listen to an album look at that opening song that opening song really tells me a lot about what the rest of the album's going to be it really sets the tone i expect so much more out of an opening song than any other song on the album to be quite honest with you even than the closer i want that opening song to set the tone and that is one of my favorite ways to open an album I've ever heard. Like, it's just, that's fucking flawless. That's a, mm-hmm. such a perfect way to just, uh, and even Panic Attack does that too, I think, on War on Everything. But um, yeah, it's, yeah, that's a good choice. Um, speaking of A War on Everything, uh, my number four is Pink Motel from A War on Everything 2019. same, man. Yeah, it's just a fucking banger. That's just a fucking banger
0: probably again you you talked about it it's probably their best song.
1: I think so. I think it's one of the best rock songs of the last decade for sure. Well, that's not something that we've done a top 10 of. Could be an option for a top 10 in the future. Um I I really am struggling. Honestly, like and they're not even it's not even from the same decade, so I can't even compare them, but the only rock song I've heard in the last few years that blew me away to that extent is uh The Killers new single My Own Soul's Warning. Um uh, there's not a lot in the last few years that has really blown me away and pink motel mm. definitely did that for sure
0: uh yeah my number four is also pink motel uh give it uh, another year or so and and uh we'll see uh, just how it stacks up in the uh, lore of canadian music writing but uh, i think it's well on its way so
1: yeah yeah it could That's- go down I, I, guess, I don't know if it's necessarily a uh a super radio-friendly song. Like, it definitely, it, it is a radio song, but I don't know. I don't know if it's going to get that recognition on the charts that it deserves, but that's not everything in music, right? Like, there's plenty yep. of really good songs that never charted well, so. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. It's the same thing as movies, right? Like, if a movie has a cult following, that has something to, that has a lot to say about the movie, right? So, um, such as So I Married an Axe Murderer. I don't know a lot of people have seen that movie but it's a yeah. fucking banger if, you, if people who have seen it do love it. Mhm. I'm rambling. Uh my number 3 is not from an album it's from 2017 it's called Kill the Lights. Love okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Love it.
0: I I I that's one where I it never really got me. That's fair. But um I think for me uh I do
1: like the first 2 minutes but it's past the the, it's like toward the end when they, it gets a little more high in intensity and it's very Pink Motelli towards the end, it's just very chaotic sort of rock music um, I think is really what, really what gets me because um, for me that was kind of like the Glorious Sons before they released Young Beauties and Fools being like, this is where we're going, this is where this is the direction we're taking, we're not the mama heavy Glorious Sons this is what we are and I think it's way more indicative of what they've done since then. It was almost them drawing a line in the sand, being like, we're glad you liked our first album, but this is who we are. Just so yeah. you know. And it set the tone moving forward for them, I think. So, uh, I have a lot of respect for the single. I think, it's, I think it's really great and I could listen to it over and over again. Uh,
0: my number three is also a single with some asterisk involvement, as you alluded to. Uh, Sometimes on a Sunday. Uh, mm-hmm. number three. Um, I classify it as a single. Uh, I know it's on the deluxe version of The Union, but the the reason I do is because this is the first song that the Glorious Sons released with Chris Coster involved. So after their first album, their guitarist Andrew Young takes off, Chris Coster comes aboard. And I got to tell you, in both albums that have come since, I have yet to hear a solo as good as as the one on Sometimes on a Solo uh, on a Sunday by Chris Coster, That is an all-time guitar solo, um, in Canadian music at least. Uh, I won't go any further with that, because there's some heavy hitters in the States and the UK. But he nails it. Uh, the band uh, definitely puts a stamp on what's to come. I think the next two albums have been very... You know, indicative of that. and Yeah, uh, yeah you could fan. make
1: the same point about sometimes on a Sunday that I made about Kill the Lights. Like, I, sure, I view sure. Kill the Lights as the yeah. moment, but uh, you're not wrong to say that about sometimes on a Sunday, I don't think, either.
0: Yeah, they, they, they both they came up pretty close to each other, I want to say. Eh? Like, within a year or so? Uh,
1: I thought sometimes on a Sunday was shortly after the union. Like, I thought it was the year after, and Kill the Lights was maybe... Uh, maybe eight months before Young Beauties and Fools, so I think there's a little bit apart. more of a...
0: Okay. 15 months, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, either way.
1: That's a, that's another strong thing about this band, is just, like, the reason they keep gaining momentum is they haven't gone away. Like, yeah. the longest they went away for was Between the Union and Young Beauties and Fools, and they still dropped, arguably, two of their best songs in that time anyway. Right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're really killing it on just the way that they are releasing things, too. Like, they, I just... I think they're doing everything right right now to be honest with you i would agree um my number two uh which might not make most lists for glorious Suns fans but i do i just love come down off of young beauties and fools 2017 that is my number two um which is kind of ironic given my number one being such a strong lyrical song but this is Lyrically, one of my favorite songs of all time. It's not really a song that, uh, like, I don't. I, it's about kind of like doing drugs. I don't really do drugs, but like, um, I can relate to sort of that late night with with a person sort of thing. And I, I um, it just sort of gets me. Um, the second verse uh, specifically, with one more for the road, kid. Let's go down to the water and get out of our ha- Heads standing by the shore. You can hear the lake breathe. Is just like. Even on my trip, like we were listening to this song, and like I had a moment where I was literally just on the beach by myself, and I kind of thought about that lyric, and I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what's happening right now. (laughs) Like, I'm just literally standing by the water uh, alone with your thoughts. The feeling takes you hostage, rushing from your heart into the palm of my hands. We can make this little prison city feel free. Like, I just, to me, lyrically, this is one of my favorite songs of theirs. It has a very type of tune that is. Indicative of, of stuff that I listen to, um, to me this is the song that I sort of relate to the most. Even though the story isn't specifically um, specifically something that I relate to, if that makes sense, right. the feeling, yeah. the atmosphere of it is what I relate to.
0: Great, great song. Like that's that's my favorite album by them. Like I know I have what there's there's four off that album that I got on my list, but. At least three of them, I, I would have no problem swapping around with the rest of that mm-hmm. album. Like, it's... You can't go wrong. Um, mm-hmm. That's a good call. I think you're right. Probably not a lot of people having that on their on their top ten, but... Uh, my number two is the first song I ever heard by the Glorious Sons, and it's stuck with me ever since. It uh, kind of made me go, uh, holy shit, these guys are going to be good. Uh, that would be uh, Ruby off of Shapeless Art. Mm-hmm. Um For some reason I have a like in studio like you know like those like iHeart radio sessions that bands will do where it's like live but it's not really live because there's no one there to like clap and shit. Yes. I had a live version of Ruby for the longest time and it wasn't until like just a year ago or so that I realized like there's a studio version that is not (laughs) quite the same you, wait, wait you,
1: you've ne- you never heard the studio version of Ruby till a year ago?
0: Well, like, I thought I had it until I heard oh it. And then I, and then I went, like, okay, like... They're it's just like, sort they're... of
1: funny that, that you liked the song that much that you didn't know about that. Because, like, I think yeah. I told you, like, until about a year and a half ago, I didn't know Sing Your Heart Out by The Trues had a studio version. Oh, yeah. And so, like, but, like, I don't, like, I, I really like the song. It's one of my favorite Trues songs, but, like, it's not... It's not like second on my favor- on one of my favorite band lists. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: It just sounded to me like a, like a shitty recording. Like it didn't sound yeah. like a live one that I had. I, I thought it was done in a studio and it was like this is their version of it and this is the best they had at the time. But yeah, like I said, recently I found out it's not. The subtle differences and I, I just I love that song. Both versions, live versions, I'll take it all.
1: Yeah, it's a fun song for sure. It is it's a really it's a really fun song, especially live. Um, I can't fault you on that.
0: Even, even the idea of him like naming this song about a woman and getting very passionate about this woman, yet also talking about like I want to go hunt a bear. It's like, what, yeah. what are we we're we talking about here? Like it's, this is fantastic. I love it. Yeah,
1: yeah, they're a good band.
0: <laughs> good choice, man. Good choice.
1: <laughs> um, would you would, would, like is glorious sons? They're in your top ten favorite right bands. Of all time? Might be a little early for that. But okay.
0: they're knocking on the door.
1: Top, Their top five current band? I would have to say, yeah. Yeah, top three? Top five. Well, like, you would uh, put the Arkells as your favorite active band, you would say, I right? Th-
0: I would think so. And you like the Arkells better than the Glorious Sons? I do. I do. They're very close. So, yeah, I, I they're probably top three active. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like active in t- the sense they're top, that like they're
1: probably top five all time for me i'm not gonna lie like yeah like, favorite anyway
0: top, top three active in the sense that like they're still producing new music at the height of their powers because sure. like Metallica's fair. active technically i don't <laughs> know if they're <laughs> yeah yeah in that's the fair conversation but that's fair
1: yeah yeah i guess yeah in terms of what they're producing how it relates to you i guess that makes mm-hmm. sense um, my number one favorite uh fucking glorious sun song not really a surprise to you and probably to some of the listeners but uh my name is my favorite glorious sun song of all times from the union 2014 called gordy uh hey man is same pretty much about gord Downey. um yeah it's about gord Downey, i guess um yeah it's just an interesting there's just I, I i just don't even i don't even know what to say it's probably like my second or third favorite song of all time uh by anyone So, um, I just think it's a super interesting lyrical song that also is kind of a, the way I heard Third Eye Blind describe their song God of Wine is that it's a very, like, almost therapeutic experience when it happens at their shows. It's almost this moment where the crowd sort of comes together, and it's the one song that even though it's not super famous, everyone who's there to see Third Eye Blind has, you know, it's a hardcore fan knows God of Wine, and it's sort of just this moment where everyone sort of comes together and and is waiting for it to happen all night. And I feel like that's the way with Gordy. Um, when you go see the Glorious Sons, you know they're going to play Gordy. They have to. And even though it's not a song you would hear on the radio, like if you're a big Glorious Sons song, it's like a fan. It's it's You know it. You love it. It's a song where if I know someone getting into the Glorious Sons, I tell them about Gordy because you're just, there's no way you won't like this song. Because if you don't, you're not gonna like the band, and um, it, it, I mean, it helps that it's about Gord Downie because obviously uh, I have a uh, an affinity to Gord Downie. But um, yeah, it's just it's such a fun song to sing along with. Yet it's an emotional song that tells an amazing story, and um, I can't say a single bad thing about it because I just I, I love it so much.
0: Yeah, uh, great, great song. Obviously took on a a deeper meaning once uh, we lost Gord Downie. Mm -hmm. Um, The Glorious Sons, for those who don't know, are from the same little hometown Mm -hmm. that uh, the tragically Hip are, Kingston, Ontario. And uh, the song is basically just everybody in the town bitching about how, like, hey, you're never going to make it because you're not the hip, but also... I would have made it because I was better than Gore Downey. And it's like, well, if you were, then maybe you shouldn't be here right now. Yeah. um, Yeah. One of of my all-time favorite uh, things about the song, too, is uh, the Glory Suns put a live album out uh, that they played in Kingston um, a few years ago. And they were the first band to play in the Kingston K-Rock Center since the Hips final show. And they, I don't think they closed with Gordy, but it was like the second last song of the night. And and he comes out and he says, I guess we got to, I guess we got to address the elephant in the room yeah. and, and yeah, they yeah. play it. And then it's, um, that, that version for me is almost better than the, than the studio one, just because, you know, I agree, you know, the weight of, of what's being discussed. You know that the song now all of a sudden means so much more to everybody in the room. And yeah. yeah um, I don't know if it would be as high on my list if you know we still had Gore Downey. Um, I'd still like the song, obviously, but it just it's got a, a deeper meaning now.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Like it's just uh, you know I I think it very simple lyrically. Like we've talked about. Sorry, not the whole song, but specifically the example I'm about to make. It's simple lyrically on a band that is somewhat complex lyrically. But like even just the simplicity in there's a right way there's a wrong way let's do it our way yeah and to me it's not even just about music like i think that that is the way people will be a lot happier if they live their life that way i think yep. like i think that that's just the way to do it like you you should do things the way you want to do them and you shouldn't worry about what other people are saying and that is about that's what the glorious sons are about that's what this song is about and it's partly why i relate to it so much is it's just uh lyrically it's you know when you go to a show like celebrate every night with your friends it's kind of how you feel when you're at the show right like you're having fun everyone's getting along having a good time and um it's just beautiful like i think it's just such a brilliant song honestly Mm -hmm. i agree yeah
0: okay Okay, oh, well, you know, Sorry okay. we got a little deep yeah. on you there today. Yeah, but, uh, you know. Emotional for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Next week I'm going to cry as I give my uh, Third Eye Blind favorite songs. So, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, um, join, join
0: us for our eulogies next week. Where we, uh, <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah. How was that more emotional than when we did our tragically hip favorite songs? I don't really know. but
0: I, Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't wasn't there some time that had passed? I don't think so. I think we did it the week after it happened. Pretty... Pretty quick, eh? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Maybe it was maybe it was too soon. Maybe that was the problem. Mm, maybe
1: didn't sink in yet.
0: There's a there's a right way. There's a wrong way. We did it our way. That's 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 all.
1: Yeah, and I mean, James has repeated multiple times on the podcast. This is his fucking podcast. He'll do what he wants. So
0: exactly. Don't yep. tell me when to cry. I'll cry when I want to.
1: Okay. It's
0: my hmm. podcast. Yep.
1: Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Um, okay. I don't have
1: anything currently to plug. Although I will be writing something soon because I have to now. Um.
0: But yeah, that's how that works.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's time, I guess. I gotta get you know, gotta get going again. But uh, yeah, nothing to plug other than um, our next episode, I guess, whenever that'll be. Um, um I, I, yeah. I know this is not becoming a bit at the end of our episodes. We are genuinely eventually going to do the community episode. Um, I, I'm, I'm just gonna say it because we've been beating around the bush for for months. I'm just gonna come out and say it. We've pretty much uh, been waiting for Mike Wern to do that. And Mike Wern went up to um, a, a, a town where they have a business that shall go uh, shall remain nameless uh, that they've been working on all summer. And Mike Wern's understanding was that he was going up for a week and would be back. And he's been gone for about six weeks now, and there is no sign of him returning. So, uh, is he we're, alive? We're, we're oh yeah yeah actually um, you know okay. spoiler alert I, I I'm I'm in. Very preliminary talks about going up there for a few days, just to just to check the place out and make sure oh, that it's man. real. And then I haven't that been advertising Sammy, uh, I'm, done. I'm not I'm not going to interview a fish, James. Um, but yeah, so uh, we will do the community episode. We might just do it with someone that's not Mike Wern. So
0: sure. You know, we're going to wait like 8 weeks to do it with Mike Warren and then just not do it with Mike Warren. I like that. Yeah.
1: There's a risk that if we wait long enough, community will somehow be canceled, not as a TV, not as a as a productive show on television, but as a we can't watch it anymore.
0: So I'm Not allowed to. Did
1: you see it got did you guys see it got in trouble a few weeks ago for the blackface scene from the from the from the, from the Dungeons and Dragons episode? I did. Ken Jong's not actually wearing blackface, but kind of is and Mhm. That's just. I mean, the whole scene is about how blackface is wrong, and somehow we're going to cancel a show for saying blackface is wrong.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, the problem here is that sometimes people are going to watch something um, without really diving into the context. Oh, you, oh watching, you mean they? And, you
1: mean they watched a thirty-second YouTube clip? Who would do that? Yeah,
0: yeah. So, I mean, I'm I'm not going to sit here and say that they. <laughs> are they were right to do what they did but like just i don't know give your head a shake and maybe like look at the big picture here and and all that but i i get it it just kind of sucks so do you have anything to
1: plug other than your pie hole um plug your pie hole uh, actually a laced up episode but
0: jesus yeah um i i i I don't i guess i I have nothing going on so okay go me cool
1: well you know what they say, James. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. Let's do it our way. Mm, okay. See you, see you later.
0: Bye-bye. I'm telling you, this place is perfect. You're going to make friends in no time. Ah! Get me
2: out of here! Oh. here just eat that! Oh. Leave us alone! <laughs> It's a Jesus piece I wear But I don't know I don't know if it makes me whole Got success in my veins And a lover knows my name But I don't know I don't know if it makes me whole No, I don't next thing Nothing makes me whole No, I don't No, I don't Nothing makes me whole